Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris Tosantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with T's, the talkative, the thoughtful, and of course, the terrific Mary Abijay. <laughs> Hi, Chris Tosantis. Hello, everybody. I am Mary Abijay, the talkative Mary Abijay, and I would be honored to introduce my co-host, the terrific, the tireless, and the trustworthy Chris Tosantis. <laughs> Trustworthy. You I are love very that. trustworthy. I would trust you with anything. I would trust you with my life. You would be the kind of person where if I ever got arrested and found myself in jail at two in the morning, I'd be calling you. Well, that's reassuring. Because I think A, you could <laughs> I think A, you could cough you cough up the bail money. And B, I think you would actually come and get me at two thirty in the morning. I think I would, as long as it's not too far away. <laughs> <laughs> I would send an Uber for you. <laughs> well, I'm in Chicago, Mary, but at DC, that shouldn't be long. I'll be there. Oh, that's true. Okay, if I was over in Chicago and I okay. find myself in jail at two thirty in the morning, I'll call you. Then I'd be there. I'd be there. That's funny. That's funny. All right. By the way, uh, this is an interesting episode this time. This is a little different. Um, our previous episodes, we talked about uh, one of these things. Um, uh, we talked about death mm. at work. And, uh, and, I, and as a consequence, we got a question on the topic. Now, uh, so the problem- So this is going to be a serious episode. Well, no. i get but, my serious persona but on. Since feeling just questions on death was a bit of a downer, I, I, so what we've, I've done is I, I, I called some of the other questions, and now we're going to sort of combine it with life and death. Okay, got it. So, so we're so not going to be a total downer. Exactly. It's, 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 so it's sort of the cycle of life, as it were. But speaking of death, though, have, have you ever lost a colleague at work? Mm, have you ever lost a yes, work colleague? Yes, indeedy. I've had multiple workplace death or colleague experiences. I had a boss that I was working for that died by mm. his own hand, a suicide oh. death. Yep. I've had dead colleagues that died. Um, one guy I was working with on a consulting project, got a call over the weekend, uh, and he had uh, died of a sudden heart attack. Uh, oh. This was years ago. Uh, that was really bizarre and hard. So I've had, it, I've had that happen a couple of times with colleagues. And I've had clients uh, who have had sudden deaths uh, in their family, like their children or spouses. Mm -hmm. And so even though I didn't work with their children or spouses, like dealing with um, clients who've had sudden, horrible, tragic deaths happen to them. It's all it's pretty heavy. No, no. How about and you? It's, yeah. Well, no, I'm trying to think of, as, as you had mentioned that, in the work setting itself, I have no recollection of some, but after retirement, I've known a number of people that, that had sudden demises. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't sort of like years later after they retire, but rather an abruptness to it. So yeah, that's been the case. Uh, but the workplace itself, it, it's so interesting because uh, I think it stands out with your memories because it is rare, right? Yeah. And I don't, as Americans, I don't think we really talk about death much anyway. I think we hide it more than oh, anything else. Oh my gosh. I think Americans are really, really bad about death. I don't think we understand death, even though we've all read the book on grieving. I mm -hmm. think we tend to uh, 
shove it under the carpet. I think we tend to think people need to get over it. And mm-hmm. I think as Americans, we're I don't think we've really learned how to manage death or how to yes. manage uh how we connect with people who have uh who have deaths in their family or in their lives. So I think it's I think it's a very awkward thing in America, especially in the workplace. I agree with you. In fact, that's this first question really hits on that a lot. And that's why I'm going to start with the first question will be about death, and then we'll move into questions about life. So okay, I great. Start I'm here. ready. Are you ready? Okay. I think so. Mary and Chris, I know this isn't the typical question you get, but here goes. One of my coworkers, who I didn't know very well, but liked, recently passed away. And for reasons I can't explain, I feel bad every time I step into the office. She was an executive assistant, and so I would run into her when I saw her boss. Nobody's talking about it. It's like she was never there, and it's business as usual. I'd like to talk about it, but should I? And if I do, what do I talk about? As I said, I I really didn't know her. Signed, suddenly, silently saddened in Oklahoma. Uh. Well, first of all, I am sorry for your loss and you have my deepest condolences. And I do not, I'm not surprised by this. As Chris and I just said, I think that Americans are just not very good with death. As a culture, it seems to make us uncomfortable uh, and we sweep it on the table. So this doesn't surprise me. Um, I also know what you mean about feeling sad about someone that you didn't really know. It's always kind of surprising, but that's happened to me several times. Like someone I only sort of knew or, you know, was an acquaintance and suddenly they die. Like that can be surprisingly impactful. Uh, So don't feel weird about that. I think that's normal. Um, You know, so first things first. So hopefully this will be helpful to you. But first things first, if you haven't already done so, please send a condolence note to her family uh, because that is going to mean a lot to the family. Uh, And I know you want to be able to talk about it at work, but the first thing you should do is really send out your condolences to her family. And I'm a big fan of sending out a real note, not just buying a condolence card uh, and then signing your name. And write something like, you know, although I didn't know Sandy well, I always enjoyed seeing her. And then something like she was always so cheerful and helpful. Like write something a memory about her. Believe me, families always remember who sends a note and who doesn't. And they are always appreciated, especially, this is going to sound weird, but someone who's had a lot of death in her life from family members, we actually really truly appreciate the notes that come from acquaintances, from people who didn't really know our our person that well, but took the time to write it. Because here's the thing, when you lose someone, you want to always... You want to always think that that person you lost was appreciated and well-regarded. So hearing from people like you, it will mean so much to the family. So that's my number one thing. Send a note to them. Secondly, go to this person's boss, the, uh, her boss, and express your condolences to them. Like say, you know, I'm really so sorry about Sandy. And when you do that, uh, ask if ask the boss if you think that maybe the company could do a remembrance of some sort, mm. maybe a moment of silence, maybe putting maybe a luncheon in her honor for those who might want to say a few words about her. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You don't have to like form a scholarship or something in her name, uh, or it doesn't even have to be a religious thing. Just a moment to honor her. Maybe you put her into the into the newsletter or do something that is, uh, or creating a combined donation for a charity in her honor. But do something, but go ask the boss 
if they think this might be a good idea. Um, and you can pitch it to your boss by saying, you know what, I'm really sorry about Sandy. I know this is a huge loss for her. And I think there might be other people who would like to honor her. Uh, and then you can bring some more ideas with the boss um, uh, about how you can do that. And of course, be prepared to take on the, the role of making this happen. Uh, so, you know, take the lead in doing something and making it okay. Because my guess is there are probably other people who are feel the same way you do. And finally, in closing, I'll say this. Uh, I love that you are thinking about this. You are a good person. You're not only good at being a human, but you're also a good human being. And this is, they're not always the same thing. Mm -hmm. So go forth and, 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 and try to make something happen. And, you know, God bless you. Like you, this is a good thing to do. Wow. I, I think, Mary, you've really covered everything I would have said about this, or I will say about this, because I, I really like the idea that you, you're not, first of all, you, you gave the condolences. I thought, what I didn't think about is writing the family, yeah. as you suggested doing. I love your idea of having some kind of memorial event, even if it's a brief event. Um, I think if I would add to that, I'd, I'd, I'd try to get, I'd call the immediate family and say, we want to do something at the office. Would one of you be interested in coming and tell us a little bit about her life outside of the office? Oh, I love that. So that we, we see the total person presented. And then I think a celebration for contributions. Maybe other people say a few small things about her, maybe a story that was endearing relative to the experience they had. Or even as simply as every time I see her, she looked up and smiled and yeah. said hello. And that was something. The point being here is I think the, the recognition of this is important. Now, I, I did also, as an aside here, I did a little homework on the topic because uh, one of the, there was a Julia Samuel, uh, uh, Samuel, a psychotherapist and author of a book called Grief Work, said there's there really is a conspiracy of silence surrounding discussing uh, death at work. Yeah, and we what, just yeah, don't. What and what did they say about that? Like, is well, it they said um, they uh, there was a, a quote in here from an executive coach, uh, Jean Claude Noel, in an art on an NBR article about this as well, called the disenfranchised grief. Ooh. What that means, a loss that cannot be uh, openly acknowledged, publicly mourned, or socially supported. We just pretend it didn't happen. And why do we on. do that? I don't know. I didn't go, I didn't read the book, but I think what we do is that uh, it, it's we separate business from, the, again, mm -hmm. this is the business, not the emotion, which is, I think, is a really strange thing because I, an, another interesting book, The uh, Art of Caring Leadership, he said, you cannot separate business from life because life happens at work, yeah. as does death. So we should be celebrating both life and the life of somebody who has died in the office as well. But I think there's a there's a um, uh, there's sort of a, a a taboo attached to bringing that part of our life into the workplace. You see what I'm saying? I yeah, think absolutely. We, we just want to get on to work. There's no, we have no time for that. We're not in the production of we're in the production of making things, not grieving things. So I think that's a fallacy. I think that's a, a false premise. So I think all of your ideas are what you would do. I, I, I love that idea. I, and go to their boss if they will, or HR, if they will or won't uh, sort of budget this. I think she's going to have to organize it if that's the case. But I also think there are many people at that office who yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. So I say go forth and do some kind of celebration of her life. And do you think that organizations are reluctant to uh, acknowledge that or to do things like this because is it really all just about its work and we're separating it? Are they no. or are they worried about like doing something wrong or being sued or like is there any no. other? I thing? think it has more to do with our mortality. Yeah. I think, for instance, I'll give you the corollary of what we don't talk about: succession planning. Yeah. Uh, good point. We don't talk about succession planning because that means it's got to be the end of something. Yeah. And so we don't want to talk about the end of something. 
Yeah. And so we don't get the closure, and that's a problem. But uh, so succession planning is sort of the ongoing, you know, my Im- my my assumed immortality. Yeah. And I think so. I think it was just the reluctance for closure and 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 again personalizing things. And yeah, closure is so important, right? Because you talk about closure a lot, and like this is the in transitions, like this is the ending, and it does right. need to have some sort of an acknowledgement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a ritualistic closure person. That's why we have funerals. That's yeah. the ritual of closure. In fact, if you move from a paper system to a to a, a computerized system at the work, you should have a ceremony where you get all the uh, you know get a box of paper and burn it and burn ceremonially it. Yeah. and get everyone around the campfire saying, "This is how we used to operate." But Monday morning, we're using a computer using instead. Computer. My point is. You're, you're saying ritualistic, that's the end of this. So I don't want to see paper anymore. Yeah. And Closure. just think about how much more human and humane the workplaces would be if we acknowledge the whole of the human experience, including yes. death. I, I think can, some businesses do. Some businesses. Think- my, my mom, uh, when I was uh, in uh, 21 or 22, I just graduated from college. My mom had had terminal breast cancer and she was the uh, head of nursing for the Toledo Hospital in Toledo, Ohio. And everyone knew she was dying. I mean, she was just going to die. It was, you know, going to happen. And, but while she was still working, the hospital threw this beautiful party for her, like the celebration for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it was clear we were, they were doing it because it was, they weren't hiding the fact that she was dying. But it was, I remember going to that and being like so wild that they were all so open about it. And right. it was almost like a funeral that she got to attend. Like it was, no. it was amazing and it was so beautiful. And that has stuck with me my whole life. Like the generosity of spirit uh, to do that and kind of the courage because this was like 1986. Like people weren't doing mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It was a very beautiful thing. It's funny you're saying that. I had I I gave advice to a friend of mine. Uh, she wanted to know because she produces events, and I said, you know, what you should be you should be the last party planner, mm. and that would be have a celebration of somebody's life while they're alive. You know, that's the thing. Oh, People there is are doing a thing that. Like that. That's a thing. Wow, I'm, that's I'm, a thing. I'm a clever boy. Yeah, you're a clever boy. You know what? Maybe you should go be partners with her because you guys could make a killing. Because I think it's a brilliant idea just because, look, I'm here. I can plan this party for you. I can get everything together. She's brilliant at all these things to put that all together. Tell the story. Get all your friends there with the stories, and you're still there. But what if no one, what if you throw your own funeral while you're alive and nobody shows up? Well, it just may kill you. <laughs> then they I'm have to show. I'm afraid if I ever did that, that show. people would show up and be like, well, you know, we didn't really know Mary. And not if you think about it, we didn't really like her either. But she, we think she liked wine. So we're guessing there's going to be wine and cake here. So I'd have to have wine and cake just for people to come. Or they start asking for your stuff. You know, you always promise me those. Can I have them now? Can I have those earrings now? Oh, I have no problem with that. Like, I have friends that come over and they like they put their names and stuff. My my nieces and nephews all know because Chris and I don't have children. They all know that they just they they're getting it all. Uh, but so are there little labels underneath the, the oh, china yeah. and all that with their names? Oh yeah, there's names. And my 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 nieces and nephews also know that that the loot is going to who's ever there at the end. So we're trying to keep them connected oh. to us. So who's ever like who's ever like wiping our butts when we are old and can't do it? They're getting the money. So. We have Brilliant. we, we plan this out. It, no, I, I love it. Pitting them against each other. I love openly. It. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, maybe we should move on to uh, a qu- the next question. Okay. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. Now, this one uh, was very unusual. Okay. 
Here we go. My boss's boss, who happens to be a great guy, has been on dialysis for the past year, and the word is he needs a kidney.、Mm. I like and owe this man. He gave me a chance at a job I wasn't perfectly qualified for seven years ago, and now I'm running the department. I would like to offer up a kidney. I don't know if I'm compatible, but I'd like to help. The problem is, I floated the idea with a coworker, and she implied it's the ultimate in ass kissing. It's not, but I don't want to get a reputation for being one. Can I have it both ways, or is there no way around what others will think? Wow, paying it forward in Eau Claire. Well, now this is a curious. Wow. Would you give a kidney to someone? No. No. Uh, you know, I said that pretty quickly.、Um, I, I, I don't know. I might give a half of a kidney to somebody. I don't think you can do halfies. I don't think. You, are you sure you can't do halfies? No,、Maybe、I think livers you can do halfies.、Um, I give a half of a lip. Oh, I might need the rest of my liver.、Uh, you know, I thought about that, and I'm thinking like, who do I love more than anyone in the world? There's two people I love: my husband and my sister. I love a bunch of other, but these two people,、mm-hmm. I might, I might for one of them. But I gotta tell you, I I fear like the superstition. If I gave up a kidney, my other no, kidney would go bad.、Um, I think it's an amazing, generous thing to do. I don't think I'm that person though. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I'm thinking I got two. It's called a spare. It's called a spare because <laughs> you might need it. <laughs> exactly. I I don't drive anywhere without a spare tire. <laughs> Like <laughs>、oh、we're awful people. All right, I so I am awful. Yeah.、Uh, in this case, this person is. This person will go before me to、yeah. the pearly gates. This person is because a- they don't have a spare. That's right. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god!、Uh, so paying it forward in Euclid is also a good human being and good、yes. at being human. So here's、yes. what I say to them: first of all, your coworker. Like, what do you give? <laughs> like, what do you give a? They say anyone、yeah. who's anybody who would say that to you is、mm. clearly trying to cover up for their own selfishness, like Chris and I, that、mm-hmm. they wouldn't do that, and making you feel bad for doing one of the most generous things in the world that you could do for another human being, which、mm-hmm. is give them a piece of your body. Like、mm-hmm. that's just that's a mean spirited thing to say to someone. So I do not like this coworker.、Um, And I mean, if you truly want to do this, it might be a little awkward, right?、Um, you know, to give your boss a kidney. But if you truly want to do this, the, your compassion and your generosity is truly inspiring. It's a big deal.、Uh, so the end of the day, like, do what you think is right. Offer、mm-hmm. it up. See what your boss says. And also, also, you know. If you think it's going to be a problem, keep it a secret. Nobody has to know. Like well, you, your boss can、point. have a conversation about like let's keep this as an anonymous donor、uh, and conveniently take a two week vacation、uh, for free from the company.、Mm-hmm. Um, and、uh, yeah, do it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying. First of all, I, I think this person is a, a very generous soul, and so they should be commended、uh, on behalf of doing this、uh, for another human being, regardless of how it appears to others. Regardless,、yeah. right?、Uh, but, but before you go too, too far down the path, I, I think you should do some actual homework about the process and the consequences of the surgery、mm, for you. Good point. And 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 the people that you love who love you back. 
because this isn't just your decision. It'll affect your own family. Because what if your uh, kid needs a kidney and you don't have one to give? Yeah. So, yeah. so you have your own those choices. Having said that, though, uh, the, if you do want to do this, you don't have to be compatible. What you have to be, you become part of a paired kidney exchange. And what this simply means is you donate a kidney, and then your boss moves up on the list to getting the first available kidney that he is compatible with. So it's a, it's they become it's a trading system. That is so interesting. But how can she be sure that her boss would get a kidney? So is because there a chance that she'll give up a kidney and then her boss waits for three years? No, no, not okay. in the compatible system. The way I read this was the paired kidney exchange is uh, you up now you you get a kidney as a result of having given one. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy! Yeah, and no, so cool at the same time. Yeah, no, I thought that was an interesting way because that way you get past the compatibility issue because wow. so many people have needs that don't match. Now that's creative thinking on the, I thought that on, was the great. on the yeah. organ donor thing. That's yeah. really creative, and I really like that. Yeah. Well, now this part of the the, the boss is a sticky part. While the, your coworker is a tad cynical in her view, uh, and it's likely to be held by, by a few. It is likely to be held. You know, you're in a social yeah. system, right? Yeah. And so there will be talk whenever you receive a promotion, a raise, accolades, even attention from the boss. So. I just, and to your point, Mary said this, you got to have the co cojones to ignore this chatter. Yeah. You just have to ignore oh, yeah. it. Eventually, it's likely to subside uh, and something, but they will always use this as an excuse for your movement up. Somebody will always <gasps> That's a do good this. point. You know, so your success this. will always be attributed to the fact, yeah. well, of course she got that gig. She just gave her kidney to the boss. Exactly. And conversely, it implies the boss owes you. And that has a downside for him since it always has to appear, appear, fair in his dealings uh, regards to the fact that you have saved his life. Yeah, because it will make things, as I said, a little bit awkward. Like, yeah. it will make your work life a little bit more awkward. And I, I, I liked your advice too, Mary. I would add to this. Talk to him about the pros and cons of this and how it affects both of your lives. Yeah. Both of your lives. Listen to him. And then if he decides this is a case of, uh, course of action he wants to take, and if you feel you owe him, uh, you give him that kidney. And then while you're uh, recovering, find a new job. That's what yeah. I do. Let me ask I'd you this. If you were the boss, would you take the kidney from an employee? Yes. You would. I wouldn't. Isn't that funny? I would. I would. This is a this is a gift of life. And yeah. this is only a job. Interesting. And so I so I would say yes, I would definitely do that because one 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 certainly out trumps the other. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'd be like, I think I would be like, that's that's a too big of a gift from an employee for me to take. No, but I wouldn't say that. I'd have to say, look. I realize you are an employee here. I cannot, I'm taking this as a gift of life because this is something that I want to live. I want to yeah. live and I, have, I will be forever grateful. Uh, in fact, I will probably be biased towards you in my attitudes at work, even if I'm trying not to be. Yeah. So, but I am going to take this kidney. <laughs> wow. All right, listeners, write us in and tell us what you would do if you were the boss and you need a kidney and one of your employees offered to give you one, would you take it? We'll see what, what happens. We'll see. Wasn't we'll there see a story think. about this? Um, didn't this actually happen to an employee that was fired? I can't. She remember. worked at an auto dealership in New Jersey. She 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 gave a kidney. I think this is true. She gave a kidney to her boss, and then when they had cutbacks, they fired her. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I know, right? I know, That's right? Awful. I think this is a true story. It might be one of those, uh, you know, could be one of those. Uh, urban legends. Urban legends. But I think I'd read this as being true. I'm going to search for that. Anyway, I also think too, if you do quit and find a new job, then when things settle down, you can always say, look, do I really want to come back here? And if you do, then come back. Yeah. Come back. Yeah.
Well, no, all right. I, the, well, this is a wonderful gift. I just can't wait. I hope I hope uh, paying it forward tells us what happens. Yeah, I know. I'd like to know you that. Know, chances too, are like to... that she's not even compatible. So, <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's the paired exchange. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was good. If you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Great. What's our next question? We have time Oh, for the next one's because right? we're going right to the beginning of life. Ah! I yes, love it. We've, I know, right? We've gone to the end of life, saving life, and then starting life. I know. This is like one of those um, uh, Ben Casey shows. Mary and Chris, uh, you talk HR issues all the time. Here's one. My wife is due and we both work. Her company has a four-month maternal leave policy, and my company has a maternal and a paternal leave policy of three months. The problem is with my team. I work in consulting, and we're in the middle of a big client engagement. If I leave anytime soon, our team will be shorthanded. Worse, my manager, without saying so directly, suggested while I am free to choose, he'll remember this. <laughs> hmm. I'm also hearing from a few guys on my team as as to why I would need to be gone three months. I'm not having the baby. Should I stay or should I go and just deal with the fallout in three months? Signed, Stark Stork Choices in Sarasota. <laughs> Stark Stork. That that's, was hard to say. That's great. That is hard to say. Uh, Stark Stork. I don't think I can. Stark Stork Choices in Sarasota. Stark Stork. <laughs> Stark Stork. Uh, all right. So first of all, take your paternity leave. I mean, come on, man yeah. up, take your paternity leave. Yeah. Uh, and you might consider, you know, staggering it so that you can use it after your, like near the end of your wife's, like, you know, maybe have a month overlapping. But I think, you know, being able to spend time with that child and your wife and together would be really great. And, you know, you, if you're in the middle of a big project and we don't know when the wife is due, but it sounds says, like just do, oh, right? J- just do. So, is like, due. you know, if you stagger it, like you don't have to take the start your three months immediately when the baby is born, like take a day or two and then maybe wait a couple of weeks, tie up that project. In other words, if, if that's what's mm-hmm. stressing you out, uh, you know, but my big thing here is, um, you know, paternity leave will never become the norm until men start using it. Yes. And as uncomfortable as it might be by your bros in the office or your boss that threatens to not forget it, uh, you know, you're just enabling the same pattern of men not being able to take paternity leave or not not being able but not willing to take it for fear of the the bullshit that they're going to deal with from Mm -hmm. their male colleagues. So I want you to think about all the young men or men who are your age or younger coming up through your workplace that you are now normalizing taking paternity leave for or you are normalizing not taking paternity leave. So mm-hmm. you are actually, you are a one person that is actually playing into how men view fatherhood and work. So go to the side of the angels and start being a role model for men that take their paternity leave, leave because being a father is an important aspect of their life. If your boss holds it against you, so be it. You've just learned something very important about your boss and the culture of the organization. And the other thing is, come on, you're a consultant. When you come back, your boss is going to need you. Consulting firms have projects to fill, clients to serve, clients to sell. So whatever he holds against you, my guess will be very short-lived. And with the guys on your team, 
you know what? When they say, why do you need to take three months off? I can't believe you're taking paternity leave. Say something like, you know what? Being a great dad is a really important thing for me. You know, I want to be involved in my child's life, not like an absentee father like you Mm -hmm. are. Like literally, I would put it in their face and say, make them feel like selfish for dumping all their child raising on their spouses. You get to be an enlightened man. You get to be a real man and real men are real fathers. Wow. Just make, right? Just yeah, make good sure one. that before you leave, you tie everything up in a nice little bow for your team so they can't badmouth you about the state of your projects when you leave. But real men are real fathers and they take care of their kids. Well, you just well said Bam. there. See, yeah, exactly. Drop the mic. Drop yeah, the mic. Mic drop. Boom. I think you said it all here. Let me, I, I'm going to take a different, a slightly different take because there's other things about here. First of all, uh, let's say not having this, this, this paternal, you, you said it right at the beginning. It should be mandatory for both parties. He's not doing this for his, himself alone. He's doing this for his wife mm-hmm. and because the child. women. Women in the workplace have to take maternity yeah. leave. And if men don't have to take it, they get an edge up. Yeah. And th- this means that the, the, the playing field is not level. It's already in the advantage of men because they, well they never have to have the break in their, in their ascension. And so they look like they're more committed when in fact they, the woman has no choice but to do this. So in that sense, he's defending his wife and how she works in saying, this is how we got a role going forward. I love so that, Chris. That was a really good point. Yes. And by the way, this is your child. You're only going to do this one or two or three times in a lifetime. How many engagements are you going to be on? You know what I'm saying? Point. You're going to be on so many gigs that this, and they all fade to black. Your children's experiences with you at the beginning never do, never do. So the priorities are clear. Just like Mary said, you got to be that father. And so uh, if, if your boss doesn't have the same one and there's un, unwritten consequences to your return to office, then find a manager who, who is aligned with your priorities uh, in life because that's what you want. You'll never blossom under this guy if you have to sacrifice who you are in part that's important. So I would address your teammates differently. I would go to them individually and I ask, okay, hey, you're fine with skipping your child's birth. <laughs> fine for you. I'm cool with that. You know, whatever you want to do, you want to ignore them now. I'll get you a Harry Chapin album. You can listen to that song again and again and remind why they will ignore you when you're old. I'm not oh, living those that those who didn't get that reference, that's that song, Cats in the Cradle. Cats go ahead. in the Cradle. <laughs> I just love that. Anyway, you go ahead and do that. But what I want to do right now is what do you need from me while I'm here that'll help you when I'm not? Uh-huh. Tell me what you need, and I'm going to set it up. I'll do everything I can to make sure I'm going to be available to you in a clinch, if you if you have a you know in, in the pinch, as it were. Uh, but I but I, I'm going to limit my access to that because my focus is where it should be. Uh, now the other thing. So I you would, would make do, your colleagues feel like ass, like I would. I, I would make them feel bad. Okay. I would make them. Feel, I would say your your choice is your own. Okay. Your bad That's choice is your own bad choice. the silver spoon. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> blue in the man. Okay. It's not my fault so, your children are going to grow up hating you, but go exactly. ahead. Exactly. <laughs> not my fault. Your, your choice is your choice. Now, the other thing I would do is once the baby is born, I would send a basket of thanks to them saying, I am, you know why I'm celebrating? I'm not only happy. I'm not only happy for the birth of my child, I'm happy that I have colleagues who are in support of this, who are filling in where I can't be. And I, I'd like to be there, but if I can't, I want to give something to you for being there in, in, in my in Now that's Machiavellian. Whoever thinks that the person having the baby is sending the gifts. But yeah, yeah. I can see the point. I, I, I have to say it's pretty sneaky. I kind of like it.
Well, it's you're helping me. That's true. Uh, look, I'm helping my. You're helping me in my life. I know that there's a consequence that you're paying on my behalf. I want to give you something in terms of the celebration I'm experiencing. Would as you well. want women to do that too? I want anyone who's feeling celebratory about this and knowing that I am part of a team and the team is back has my back. Yeah. If okay. that's how you think, you got my back, I should reward you for having it. All right, love. I, uh, no, I wouldn't give anything to the manager. No, <laughs> that manager's kind of an <laughs> right? I mean, Oh like, my God, and, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of maybe HR-y kind of bad. Yeah, like. no, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's a, a dick. And that's and I get his point. He's under the gun, and he needs to deliver. And someone further up the food chain is probably saying to him, who also thinks like him, "Hey, what's the matter? What you can't keep your people there? You you got to let them have you know do this." You see what I'm saying? I I, I understand. Like, let's be really clear. Like, as an employer, nobody's thrilled. Uh, we may be thrilled that our people are having children, but we're never thrilled to lose good right. talent for a couple of months. Exactly. Like that. But that's our baser self. Like, as a yes. manager, he needs to bring his better angels to the table and support. You know, we forgot to say congratulations to Stark's Dork Choices. Oh, right. Exactly. Right. Oh, and by the way, Chris is a great name for a boy or a girl. Oh, uh, you know what? Mary, it's only good for a girl, but <laughs> Mary is an old-fashioned name that's making a slight comeback. So if you name your daughter Mary, I promise you she won't have 12 other Marys in her yeah, class. That's true. Chris has really taken off. Yeah, well, Chris yeah. is Chris is an evergreen name. So, and speaking of evergreen, this podcast cannot <laughs> keep going on. So no, we are, we're done. We're going to wrap it up. Life and death. It's time to put a lid on this. But that was a really great episode. So thank you, uh, Chris DeSantis, for being the showrunner. Thank you, listeners, for writing in and for listening. Thank you to Jack Edinger, our very amazing, overworked, underpaid producer. If you have a workplace question, a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No questions too large, no questions too small, and clearly no questions too sad. Uh, there are lots of ways you can reach us. Email us, info at cubicleconfidential.com. Tweet us, cubicleconfide1. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Chris DeSantis, Mary Abajay, or you guessed it, Cubicle Confidential. People, we're everywhere. We're like gum under your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a workplace problem, a dilemma, and you don't know what to do, Chris, what should they do? Call us. That's right. Now go work hard, be kind, and take your paternity and maternity leaves. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.